Radio Free Midworld is one of many shows uh, that is supported by the DuckFeed.tv Patreon campaign. Go to patreon.com slash DuckFeedTV uh, to support this show and get a whole bunch of bonus content from me um, and other people that you have heard on the show here. Welcome to Radio Free Midworld, a podcast about the Dark Tower series of books and other works by Stephen King. My name is Cole Ross, and I'm your host, and I'm here joined today by Autumn Greer. Hey, Autumn. Hi, Cole. How are you doing today? I'm doing just fine. It is good to be back in the swing of things. Thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I'm delighted to be here as always. You know, you you, you take a little rest and then um, you come back in ready to sing that song of Susanna. Mm-hmm. All these stanzas. This is a weird book. <laughs> This is a very, very <laughs> weird book. <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I kind of want to jump right into it. Um, so you read this, you, you read most of these contemporaneously. How did this one land with you? You know, it, it's funny. At the time that I read it, which was right when it came out, I, if I remember correctly, the books all came out in pretty quick succession after Wolves of the Cala. Mm-hmm. Um, I I loved Wolves of the Cala. I was... I was here for the Magnificent Seven. It was it's probably one of my favorite westerns of all time. And then we got into this one and I got to say I did not love it at the time. I um was a maybe a younger less mature reader and I, I didn't appreciate how great it is to have an author actually finish a series. Right. How so, rare so that maybe is. I was a little high-handed. <laughs> <laughs> no. Just coming back and reading it now I I I really I it it's not my favorite book in the series but I'm really enjoying reading it for the podcast it's a it's it's no it's nobody's favorite i don't think if it's your favorite let me let me know um so we can so we can get some scientists deployed um i say i say that very very, i say that harshly i also say like i can understand like being kind of in in the middle of this um being a little bit put off because this is generally a series where things happen um and this is not a book where things really happen (laughs) i don't know yeah it this is like when you get the Monopoly board out and you have to set up all the stuff. You have to pick who's a banker. Like it's it, it's it's a lot of setup and moving parts and pieces. It it it's very plotty. Yes, yeah, which is uh, you know not something King generally does. In fact, he he specifically advises against being plotty. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but we're here to talk about uh, the song of Susanna. Um, we're going to be covering what seems like a lot of the book here in the first episode. We're going to be doing Song of Susanna in three in, in three parts here, um, just because you know there is a lot of table setting that goes on, um, and the majority of kind of I think of the the dramatic action that's going to be happening in book in book seven, especially as we kind of take these little detours into the related works that kind of tie into the broader sweeping story that 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 tends to tell so recovering stanzas one through six here um so this book came out in june of 2004 it is subtitled reproduction uh which is pretty appropriate because this is susanna's moment in the limelight um in terms of (laughs) kind of bringing resolution to the story that started in the wastelands right um with uh, with her getting pregnant you know as, 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 as she's she got a, 
she's got a chap and he's coming oh yes and he he was in in book four he was just kind of making himself known in book five he was hungry um and here he is coming although he will not arrive specifically until uh until book seven mm -hmm. um but yeah this is this is all about that and um the whole subtitle thing didn't really start until um the <laughs> until the final trilogy really uh so i just want to put these out in a row here because this is um kind of well you know it's a, it's the middle part of that final trilogy so the the subtitles have gone resumption renewal redemption regard and resistance um and here's reproduction and then book seven is revelation so uh props on the alliteration there <laughs> oh i i think regard is really clever too to match up with with book four wizard and glass that that that's clever a, a plus steven it, it it is and they didn't just do like remembering because that would be uh that that you know that, that would be kind of kind of dumb um <laughs> yeah um remembering would be dumb remembrance mm, slightly slightly better regard is good i like that uh yeah the 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 blow of song of susanna kind kind of being a lot of getting pieces into place um was probably softened a little bit i didn't realize this until i until i went back and looked at the actual dates um so this came out in june 2004 it like it was only 7 months after wolves of the kala and then it was only 3 or 4 more months before book 7 came out I have to say, I'm I'm really happy that the internet was not maybe quite as developed when I read these originally, because you have to imagine if we had been waiting until the year of our Lord 2019 and they were all published in quick succession like this. <laughs> oh, my gosh. I mean, the internet would just be tearing everything apart. Like, I can't believe he rushed this. What's he doing? Well, he, he thought he was going to die. He had a near-death experience. He wanted to get it done yeah oh. get, getting getting nearly iced by a van um makes you look at your priorities and your your opus yeah it makes you it makes you look at what you might have left undone yeah mm -hmm. um so i think that this book it's softened a little bit by that and it's definitely softened by like i don't know how this could have been worked into book seven without it being more without it being making just everything like way too long you know, book seven's already already pretty weighty. I don't know how you like do the split because book five needs to be about what it's about. Um, but like if you just look at this as like an interquel or like a prequel to book seven, I think that it lands a little bit better. I I think that's probably a, a smart way to think about it. It we've gotten so used. I mean, like the gunslinger is kind of a slender tome, but as we've moved forward, they've gotten thicker, 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 <laughs> and all of a sudden, drop dropping back down to four hundred pages. I'm like, is this a no novella? Like, <laughs> it's like a, it, it's like when you train in double gravity and then you go back to Earth and you're all strong and stuff. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm moonwalking through this book. Yes, <laughs> this is a. I mean, just to, 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 to pull the curtain back, when I when I did the note prep for this today, I listened to the basically what amounts to a third of this book over the course of this morning, and then did the notes this afternoon. <laughs> did you did you pat them out so I wouldn't think you were kind of phoning it in on the notes? Like, wow, Cole, fifty <laughs> words. That's a lot of notes. <laughs> no, no, I didn't pat it out. I I did uh you know. I, I I did a little bit of uh, yeah you know the, the the general summarizing kind of stuff no padding no padding yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> just just to make the, the average show length will be like, you know, Webster's Dictionary defines song as. <laughs> now, th there are stanzas here. And, you know, you might know these as verses, the Latin root of verse. Um, <laughs> no, we're not going to be doing that. Like, there's just <laughs> there's a lot of lore in this, which is not something that is necessarily that has necessarily happened. Like book five kind of introduced and really leaned on the Kala kind of patois and the, 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 the Eld, you know, the, the, the high speech has been, has been kind of sprinkled throughout, but it's starting to be really important here. Like this is, um, you know, especially the, 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 the last little stanza that we're going to cover here, there, there's an awful lot of like what wouldn't seem out of place in like a source book for the dark tower role-playing game. I think that's a that's a that's a fair assessment. There's a lot of words that we haven't heard before that are going to be so important over this in the next book. Yeah. It's um, it you're right. It's it's a lore dump. <laughs> um, man, man, all those words I forget. I think I think maybe King himself does the narration for book seven, or he has done he's done narration for enough of the books that I actually know what he like, how he intends for stuff to be pronounced. Um, nice. so, so yeah. Is it, in, is it, is it Cantois? How, how do you say the C-A-N-T-O-I word? Uh, it is Cantois. Cantois. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, like a very fancy, fancy French. No shit. Um, no, I'm, I'm messing that up. I, 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 I honestly don't know. I answered that with authority, but then I second guess myself because it might be Cantoy. Um, no, I need, I need, I need to listen to that again because I can't remember, uh, how George Guadal does it in this book, which concerns, concerns itself with, uh, with a Cantoy. Either, either way, way, the Cantoy are very scary. Uh, yes. That little pool of blood yeah. that never, that never overflows on their forehead. Mm. Yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> I'm looking forward to talking about hearts in Atlantis. That's a good story. Oh yeah. Yeah. Never saw the movie, which is weird that there was just a movie that was in the dark tower mythos that, uh, I Anthony Hopkins starred in. You know, it's it's so weird what you gloss over. You know, I was I've been rereading. Um, for some reason, I had the urge to read different seasons, and I I had no idea that there was an an apt pupil movie. Oh yeah, for, for the the <laughs> one in there, and I mean, like really good actors in it. Yeah, no, um, good good actors. What what is it? Um, oh gosh, Ian McKellen plays the uh, yeah play, plays yeah. the Nazi. We got we we got Magneto the Nazi. <laughs> a little bit of a turn. Um, and then you've got, you've got David Schwimmer playing the, playing the, um, the teacher. Yeah. That's right. Shot the at the end. Spoilers. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I need to read app people again. That's a, I need to read different seasons all over again, actually. It's a, it's yeah. the 20th, uh, this summer is the 20th anniversary of Shawshank. Um, Shawshank, the movie, which is shot really? in my home, shot in my hometown. Uh, so there are going to be all kinds of events over at the prison. So that's going to be fun. Oh, that that's the that's the prison where you used to play as a young boy. I mean, it's the it kinda. <laughs> it's the prison <laughs> where my parents used to work, and uh, we've you know generally done tours. In fact, I'm doing a tour this weekend, um, and they uh, they have a really good uh, haunted house there uh, that, that that they run every imagine. year as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. Different seasons. Hmm. Sorry, I got I got sidetracked. That's a good. Uh, uh, that that was one of the first uh, Stephen King books I read. That's exactly why I'm reading it. I, I I heard something about it the other day, and I was like, "Different seasons, huh?" Yeah, you get that. Yeah, <laughs> you know, <laughs> two, two very highly regarded movies came out of this, and people generally don't know that they're Stephen King stories. Yeah, surprise, surprise. 
Yeah. So um, <laughs> something that I think, you know, that I've heard puts people off about this book is the fact that unlike the previous books, uh, the characters don't just take a little jaunts into our world, let's say Earth Prime um, or Keystone Earth, what have you. Uh, most of this book is set here. It is set in New York and it is set in Maine at two different times. I, I wanted to ask you this because I, I know you have a, a lot of knowledge of Dark Tower lore. What, what beam do we live on, Cole? I have to imagine it's the rat beam. <sighs> yeah, no, the way things are going. Um, no, yeah. rats, r rats are too good <laughs> and pure. But I mean, like a fish is nice, a horse is nice, a rat. It seems like we should live on the beam of a rat. And don't get me wrong, I do love rats. They're great pets, yeah. but... You know, like I, the scary Stephen King rats. That uh, seems like that would be our actual world. So, so like as of, as of okay, so as of 1999 on Keystone Earth, um, I you know obviously the 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 beam of the beam of the turtle and the bear is still here. I don't know what the, what the other beams broke were. Like, well, what is the one beam that remains? So we would have to be on one of those be, beam of such and way of such. Uh, I am ashamed <laughs> that I don't know that. You know, he, he should he should write a story now that it's 2019 and just have him accidentally like pop in and be like, oh, wow, look, this is what it's like after all the beams fell. Everything's <laughs> terrible. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, it has moved on. Uh, and it, yep. It sucks. Dump it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know. The, the, the Dark Tower has kind of always kind of danced around New York and centered around New York or different versions of it with Ludd. Uh, you just spend a lot of time there, which is which is weird, especially if you have, you know, signed up for the, you know, Middle Earth and the Wild West kind of aesthetic. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so also something that is different about this is that uh, the book breaks up the Cotet. Uh, they've been separated and have their own little like adventures, but generally been traveling, traveling together for most of the previous books here though. Like it's three different little groups and this is already a short book and you're spending just kind of a little bit of time with each of these teams. Oh, it, it, it does. It, it, it's like a long form version of the scene in the, the George RR R. Martin books where they take Daenerys's dragons from her when they're little <laughs> and hide her from, hide them from her in that scary house of mysteries and witchcraft. Oh yeah. Like it, it, this is 400 pages of that. Like you're like, God, just give, give her the dragons back. <laughs> and I'm like, get the content back together. They're my friends. Yeah. And they, 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 they need to be together. They need each other. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's um it, it it's strange. Like listening to this today, it kind of felt like um it felt like an Avengers movie a little bit. Oh. Yeah, where it's like I I mean I'm 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 kind of interested in what's going on with uh with 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 uh, Thor and the uh, the Garden Guardians of the Galaxy guys, but I I I really want to see what's going on with uh with uh, what's his name, Spider-Man and Tony Stark, you know? Um, it just, it feels spread very thin. I, um, I would like to be the, in the group in the cotet that does not go after the, the soul stone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you know, oh, just, no, just play, playing the odds. <laughs> take a hard pass on that. Yep. No, not it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and we'll talk about the way that it breaks up. Today's episode is primarily going to talk about, um, uh, the, 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 the setup for where they travel. And then we're going to spend a lot of time with, uh, with Susanna and Mia, the, uh, demon that is 
possessing her along with the pregnancy. It's complicated. <laughs> so <laughs> that's it. That's that's her pregnancy status on Facebook. It's complicated. <laughs> Very complicated pregnancy. <laughs> that's that's horrifying. <laughs> Although, yeah, I yeah, it's about as complicated as one of these can be. Exactly. Who's the father of your baby, Susanna? Well, that's also complicated. <laughs> all, right, all right, let me get a chart. You got a whiteboard or something? Yeah. Okay, how many beams are there? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> what do you know about sex demons? <laughs> oh, man. Do you have any kind of other broad thoughts about the book itself before we get in and uh, talk about some of these stanzas? I... I y- you mentioned you asking that and then mentioning the stanzas there. It is kind of a cool conceit in this book where it starts off with a, I guess, um, set of lyrics. Like it's like an old timey folk song, um, from, from Midworld probably yeah. where, you know, it kind of sets everything up at the end of, um, every single section. Um, they add on another four to six lines to that, to that main song. And it's, it, I don't know. It's like having, um, the characters in Disney's Hercules come in and sing some of the parts of it, you know, like it's, it, it's an interesting format. That's a little bit different than what we've seen before. Yeah. It's a little bit like, um, um, oh gosh, like a Greek chorus almost. I mean, yeah, like, exactly. Yeah. L- looking at the, uh, looking at the one from the very end, like they've got stabs and responses. So it's like a folk song, but almost like a little bit like, um, and, and, and I'm not saying this because of the black patois, but like a gospel kind of thing where there's a call and response. So, um, yep. it is set to like the Kamala, uh, which we saw in book five, but Kamala mocks mix. You're in a nasty fix to take a hand in a trader's glove is to grasp a sheaf of sticks. So like real simple, um, real simple kind of reiterations of the themes that happen in, yeah. uh, in, the, in these individual, uh, stanzas. Yeah. It's definitely like the, the chorus and, and Oedipus, the King, but like, <laughs> And just as cheerful. No, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? Everything goes just as well as it does in Oedipus. Yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the tone matches. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, let's uh, let, let's go ahead and do this. Like this picks up like right after Wolves of the Cala, um, mm-hmm. you know, with the townspeople of Caliber and Sturgis celebrating this victory, um, a little bit tone deaf. Uh, there's a little bit of a, yeah, two people died and their relatives are still here, but acceptable losses. Woo. I, I really like the line in there where the, they were talking about how, as the story grows over the next probably 20, 30, 40 years, however long the world still lasts. Um, I mean, you know, th- th- these tall tales grow and everyone's going to be saying, oh, yeah, I backed like 100 wolves. I was totally there that day. I organized the whole thing. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, like everybody's going to em- embroider their own story and their own part in it. Yeah. Thousands of people were in that tiny club when the Velvet Underground killed Dr. Doom. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> so uh, that, that 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 is good, and I, especially like uh, because you know Eddie's a little bit of our viewpoint character for this first uh, for this first little section uh, that that is kind of tinged with bitterness. You know, I kept on thinking of at the end of uh, Wolves of the Cala, um, Roland kind of ruminating, saying the feeling afterward is always the same. You know, it's it's disordered. It's you know it, you know it, it's sick. You know, it's like the sickness it never gets better. After the kill, and and Eddie's got it worse than anybody, just because um, Susanna's just disappeared. She she's run off with that that scary black orb. Yeah. Um, so not only is his wife gone, she may be attempting to end the world. Um, yeah. No, she's got black thirteen, um, and I believe that Eddie's already found his wedding ring. 
um, that he carved for her. Um, you know, that they, they had, they, yeah, they, they had, uh, uh, followed her tracks and, um, you know, discovered that Andy messenger robot, many other functions, he had, uh, uh, aided, he had aided, uh, Mia in giving her a little, uh, kind of like motor trike kind of thing. So she could get up to doorway cave. Um, so he'd already seen that. Oh, poor Eddie. Oh, no, I, I just was shaking my head thinking about poor Eddie. And then I was also thinking, this is why you never trust robots, especially <laughs> if you're not nice to them. No, no. Um, they, they start resenting you. There's a whole thing about that. The, 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 <laughs> the machines went crazy. Everything's going crazy. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, Eddie's Eddie's in his own fix. Um, Jake is, you know, distraught because he saw his best friend get exploded. <laughs> and, and, and Callahan has the book of his own life in his lap. Uh, yeah. I, I love the, uh, little bit where he's looking at the price tag, um, on the fly leaf, you know, cause it's like, it's a first edition or whatever. And like some author's yeah. second book, why is it worth $900? <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I think I would also be a little bit blown away if I was sitting there with like a book of the darkest, most horrible time in my life where i lost mm -hmm. my faith and crosses stopped working like I, I, I i'd be staring at that like wow look at that uh yeah no that's um this is a disturbing reminder i i, I forget if he carries it with him because he doesn't go to stoneham um yeah spoiler for the for the next little stanza here but uh he, he intended to ask um what's the name calvin to ask calvin tower um about that book like okay you're obviously from this world you know what's up uh, why am I and you? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, they, they, you know, all of them are kind of, uh, just thinking this over. Susanna's gone. She's taken black 13 and left the, the door in doorway cave that they had used to travel, um, closed and inert. And so they are talking with Henchik of the Manny at Rosalita's house, basically trying to figure out it. Can, can we, can we like check the floor to see if there are any like little scraps of magic that we can, that, that, that we can, you know, roll up and make into a passage to find my wife, please. Yeah. Um, we've, we've got a plan, which is to go through this door. We just need the magic that will make the door open and close. And yeah. Oh, by the way, we need it twice. Yes. We, we need it twice. And we need some very, we need some very specific coordinates, um, where we're, where we're going to come out on the other end. Um, yeah. So the request is pretty simple. They need to open the door two times on the previous, you know, two places that they had gone first, wherever Susanna went and then Stone of Maine in 1977, where they had, uh, kind of gone to Calvin tower and kind of set up this nascent plan to, uh, use, um, to use uh, Susanna's wealth from, you know, from her inheritance to set up something to protect the, uh, the vacant lot. Right. Um, and so yep. they've got the Manny, um, the, the, the Manny are very important for the first part of this. We get a little bit more detail about, uh, about them. You know, they are this kind of analog for Amish or Mennonite mystics, uh, that through their rights kind of travel, uh, between the worlds, between the, 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 the levels of the levels of the tower. Um, and they're just these eccentrics who blow in and out of town. And I, I got to say, they're pretty cool. Yep. 
the the pendulum stuff that we'll see later. I mean, they're 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 cool. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like they they I like that they have such swagger about magic. Like they're mm-hmm. like, oh well, you know, like can we do this? And they're like, well, <laughs> you know. Things that are powerful magic stick around longer and then they spit in the ground. You, you know, like it's just this like awesome like hick wizard, you know? <laughs> awesome hick wizard. Yeah, <laughs> can, like, I, can I airbrush that onto the side of my van? <laughs> yeah, just just chewing straw, doing magic. That's the that's the manny. Yeah, no, and you know, that 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 kind of uh plays into their bearing, right? You know, when they talk about the uh when they talk about the English. Uh, you know, it is not necessarily in very friendly terms. They call them the forgetful ones. They're kind of the keepers of this, you know, kind of more primal knowledge of the way the universe works. And they've got, um, you know, they're not, ne- they're not necessarily like, you know, chanting incantations or, you know, or, or uh, casting spells to make this happen, but they've got the materials that they need and they basically have the psychic energy to go where they need to go. It, they're about to do a magic barn raisin. <laughs> ah, it is a fine barn, English, but sure it is no pool or Todash <laughs> space. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the plan is to gather 60 of these Manny volunteers um, to go tomorrow. Kind of just with the idea being like most of them are really old and they can't get up the path. There's this one boulder. It's a real pain. Eddie's having none of it, but they managed to cool him down. Basically, like, hey, Susanna's probably not in trouble. We a we would know if she if she had died. So cold comfort there, but also she knows New York, um, which is probably where she went. And Mia will need that knowledge, right? Yeah, and if she left her cart behind, I mean, her wheelchair, mm-hmm. she probably got legs. Yeah, you know, or she could steal another wheelchair, just yeah. lie in wait. <laughs> so um or you just, just just go into a supermarket and get one of the uh give one of the rascals up front you get about 200 yards for the battery runs out it's fine um yeah so we have the last night roland and rosalita they've got this uh you know very sweet uh little bout of old person arthritis sex um it's 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 it is funny when you picture both of them being so much older too when mm-hmm. she's like i get a feeling when my man's getting ready to move on and i'm like well grandma like <laughs> hey i trust you yeah, I, you, you, yeah. I, you you gotta know yeah. it if you say you know it you know it exactly roland's like we'll, we'll bed down and then if i could have one last rub down with whatever that cat stuff is like bring it on yeah just, <laughs> just, just, can, can we squeeze can we squeeze some more cats from the road and no that is not a euphemism um <laughs> yeah so it, i mean we're we're undercutting it with um uh with with humor <laughs> because because grandparent sex is is, is is funny um but you know rolling it, it is a touching kind of kind of scene i mean he's never gonna see her again yeah and if he does he's, she- he's not sticking around like this is not the arrangement it was not fated to be. Yeah. Yeah. He even says like, you know, um, or when she says, um, you know, I know when my man is, is, is getting ready to go, you know, he, I think internally reflects or, you know, says out loud, I've forgotten what it felt like to be somebody's man. Like just this, you know, for, for as fraught as this entire stay has been, you know, we're living in the aftermath of this disaster right now. 
um, it has been nice to have a moment of peace and to share some intimacy because, you know, knowing Roland's past from the books that we have just come from, you know, that's not necessarily a thing that has happened for him in a few millennia. Yeah. I mean, with time being as flaky as it is, he might not have had a girlfriend for at least like 90 years. Yeah. He, he develops some, nice. ten, he develops some tendencies, but Rosalita saw through it. It was good. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> Things are a little bit worse for Jake and Eddie. Both of them are are, are pretty, just pretty bitter about this. But, uh, you know, just about the way things shook out after the battle at uh, the Cala. They're talking on Callahan's deck when they get this earthquake that happens. Uh, the Cala doesn't get earthquakes. That is pretty uh, readily confirmed by Callahan. Um, and then everybody else waking up their, from their drunken party stupor to, uh, to, to notice this. Um, and this is kind of the inciting incident that shows we're pretty close to, um, mm, let's say not the final countdown, but the clock is definitely ticking because it's not just an earthquake. It is a beam quake. Yeah. Like the, the muffler was rattling before, <laughs> but now the muffler has fallen off and is dragging on the road, blowing sparks. <laughs> yep. Um, yeah. And those, those sparks are going to catch. It's, it's not. It's not good, you know. Uh, what do you think of the of the description of the uh, of the beam flake? It 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 was it was interesting. Like he, it, you really get the urgency of it somehow. Like he doesn't dwell on it. He doesn't spend a, a lot of time there. But it really gives you this oh shit feeling. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And this this a little bit comes with um a little bit comes with a refresher course on why this is a big deal. Like we learn that there are only two beams left. We learn <laughs> that there were six of them in the first place. And remember the whole plot for the, um, the whole plot for the, uh, the wolves was to gather twins to harvest things, to feed to the breakers. These folks who are these psychic folks who are actively working to break the beam. Right. So mm -hmm. this is not just something that is, that is happening. This is being sped along by these forces that are only briefly illuminated by the lightning over in thunderclap. Ugh. I just don't understand why so many people want to bring about the end of the world. I mean, we teased <laughs> earlier about living on the beam of the rap, but like <laughs> life is, life is great. If you had soup dumplings, they're good. <laughs> like, why do you want to like, I, I don't, I don't know. I think, um, yeah. Like, <laughs> I can't wait for end times. I can't wait to get raptured. Like dog, like <laughs> there's a lot of good food here. Like, yeah, no, you know? I mean, I, it's a, so uh, one accelerationism is accelerationism is bad. And, you know, we, we learn about a little bit later, the Crimson King, the person who is, um, who, you know, who, who is spearheading this, he's doing this possibly because he feels that he has been promised something by a greater force. Now that greater force might just be him. <laughs> yeah. making the promise to himself uh you know even here as close to the end his workings are still pretty shrouded in mystery um but so this is not the beam that they were on that snapped it's kind of one of the uh one of the um perpendicular beams that got hit roland says mm -hmm. if it was our beam we would not have even probably heard the sound he talks about you know the earth rending and birds falling flaming from the sky yeah. So, so just a really quiet, pleasant death, like going to sleep. Kinda. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a little bit, it's a little bit with like, uh, like what, uh, soldiers say about getting sniped. Like if you hear the bullet, they missed, or if you hear the shot, they missed, you know? 
Ooh. Yeah. So if you, if oh you, if man, you, if I were a sniper, I'd say that all the time to just people I met on the street. I'd be <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like, that's a pretty cool fact. Yeah, <laughs> just because uh, they travel faster, the the bullets travel faster than the speed of sound. Um, I've got no idea if that's actually true. My 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 uh, my 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 inkling is that maybe uh, a sniper would be prone to bravado, but I don't know. I don't know. It's 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 my sniper head cannon now. <laughs> So um, that is kind of how the first little chapter of this ends, um, taking us into stanza two, the persistence of magic, where we go up to the cave with the Manny and Eddie nearly gets pulled off of a mountain. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think of this scene with Eddie saying like, oh, none of this works? <laughs> yeah and i i like it when he's like what is that like some some plumb bob whatever and they're like whoa 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 don't don't touch it <laughs> and what was the line like if if if, if thy would keep thy cream on one side and thy crap on the other which i mean we all want to keep our cream on one side and our crap on the other like, yeah no no just give me one of those little cafeteria cafeteria trays where they can you know have the little ridge between them no yeah no just uh, do, and, uh, do not touch it touch it by the chain uh um if you prefer your cream on one side and your crap on the other yeah <laughs> i um and the other thing was is once they started swinging the plum bob and it started to grow dim oh i love getting dim in stephen king books mm, it is one of my favorite one of my favorite concepts going all the way back to uh going all the way back to the stand and uh the the, the eyes of the dragon yeah i think i'm I'm going to start saying that when I drink like a whole bottle of wine, like, yo, I'm getting dim over here. Yeah. <laughs> you know, am I invisible right now? <laughs> Can y'all see me? Uh, it's, it's very good. Um, so, uh, they go up here and Eddie's already, uh, kind of, you know, in his, in his hole because they pass by Susanna's wheelchair, which is all beat up. Like apparently the villagers thought like, oh, we're going to bring it out for him as though that would be a, a welcome site. <laughs> so not necessarily the best. Um, and so there's this demonstration um, as the plumb bob swings. And it's not necessarily a huge thing. As it swings, it, it kind of pulls when it reaches kind of the height of its sway of the uh, the height of the pendulum motion, right? Which is not necessarily the way that ought to go. Um, yeah. And it gets dim at the end. You can see through it um, to the, you know, to whatever's on either side. But it also magnifies. So again, this is not quite toe dash. Um, oh my gosh, what is it? There, there was one of these words. I forget what it is, but it was like uh, ka toe dash or something like that. And Jake makes a guess about the translation, but like the sound of the chimes um, in the high speech is translated as uh, the house of ghosts or something like that. Yes. Mm. <laughs> give it to me like I, very I, cool i've really warmed up warmed up to the idea of fantastical languages oh yeah there's a point later in this section that we'll be covering today where when um mia starts talking about the prim and i'm like i don't know why but that's the perfect name for like the primordial ether that everything comes the prim yes mm -hmm. It could have it could have just been called the prime, and that would have not that like that maybe would have sufficed like that that gets the idea across. But there's something mm -hmm. about dropping the E on that that um that really sells it tonally. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. King is getting another A plus for today. Yes. It's two A pluses, Stephen, <laughs> if you're keeping track. <laughs> so uh but yeah, uh Eddie believes now and they circle up. 
um, and kind of talk about their plan. So the door is going to open up first to where uh, Susanna is. And the plan is to, you know, to, to go through Eddie and Roland to, you know, to rescue her and then to send Jake and Callahan, which I mean, no shade on both of them, but kind of the B team. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, they, they also, cause it's been long enough since I read this that I had forgotten, you know, I, I knew the big brushstrokes of the plot, but, um, oh, they were making me sweat in this scene with, well, we don't know if Roland's guns are going to make it through. And then, oh, well, well, you're going to have to leave Oi here behind. Sorry. Like I was getting upset. Like I, I mean, now like, they don't have their guns and they don't have Oi. I mean, so Oi is part of the cartel. <laughs> mm-hmm. like absolutely um but like i don't know since we last recorded you know it's 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 been a little while i got a pet and you know when i was listening to this today doing the research and refreshing myself that wrenched at me in a way that it didn't before like i yeah. i understood i you know i understood it you know intellectually like yeah it's tough to leave anything you're attached to you know, but now that I've got this little cat, like it just took me back to the, like this, you know, a couple months ago when I was in Milwaukee, leaving my cat alone for the first time, like just worried that she would be lonely. Yeah. And, and I mean, we already know like Roland's like, like, and, um, uh, they were just saying like, yep, I know I'll never, I'll never see you again, Roland. Like <laughs> that was great. I know my man's moving on. Like, I don't want Oi to move on. No. <laughs> like... Well, they, they, they twist the knife too, because, because Oi's crying. And begging yeah. Jake not to leave him. Um, Always crying real tears. Yes. Like real tears are soaking into his little fur. Yeah. And, and you know, Roland is kind of the person that we see, you know, whose eyes we see this through. And he is deluding himself saying like, oh, please just let that be imitation like they do. But everything we know about Oi, he doesn't get a lot of time in the spotlight. Um, well. <laughs> but everything we know about Oi is he is... And you're just dreadfully intelligent and incredibly empathetic. And basically mm-hmm. he is, you know, like he, he is sewn to Jake's hip. So, yeah, this is, this is but, pretty heart wrenching. But, it, but it turns out that he tricked me. I got tricked. Stephen <laughs> yeah. King tricked me. I've read this book like four times. He tricked me again. He got me. I couldn't. Re- I couldn't remember if Oi got pulled through, or if they just got him. You know, picked picked him up when they swung back through the door later on. Um, <sighs> so what happens is uh, the best laid plans are laughed at because the order is switch- it's a switcheroo. Jake is put um, is put in as the anchor to open the door. Um, and there's a cool, I love the imagery of him forcing the, forcing the door open psychically by imagining all of the doors and all of the worlds opening. Um, I think creating, it says creating a wind that would blow out the sun. <laughs> so that's a, that Jake's a powerful little dude. Incredibly, especially when he has uh 60, uh, what, 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 you say? Uh, fr- freaky hick wizards. <laughs> <laughs> I forget. Yeah. Uh, when he when he has a whole bunch of people uh, amplifying him, right? But uh, but Jake oh, re- yeah. reaches out, grabs the hook, um, and Ka takes over at that point. Ka literally like a wind uh, because Jake Callahan and Oi are pulled through first, um, taken to New York, um, and then the second wind pulls Eddie and Roland through to Maine. Um, kind of making Eddie wang his head against the frame as he goes through. 
um, and the, the, the chapter ends, for one brief moment, he was brilliantly aware of his passage between the worlds, then the gunfire, then the killing. That's, um, that's a little, that's a little miniature cliffhanger. Yeah, because the rest of this, uh, the rest of this episode, guess what? Catfished, you, you're in New York, uh, with a lady talking to herself. Yeah. I'm, I'm selling it. Sure. We, yeah, we don't, we don't know if Oi still is actually alive. We got no idea. We just know he went through the door. Yeah. <laughs> Are there guns still there? Yeah. Oh. And, the, and then there's gunfire. Then there's killing. Somebody's dying. Yeah. It's, it's probably actually very good that Eddie and Roland got sent where they did. It's because of the gunfire and then the killing. I don't, I don't know that Callahan would comport himself well under fire. <laughs> Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure if he didn't comport himself well, like Eddie would be like, "Man, my first time that I did this, I was nude." Okay, <laughs> like you at least have you've got pants on. Like, buck up! <laughs> wow, wow! I'm holding a book. I was holding my brother's head. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, so uh, let's go see what's going on over in New York with Mia uh, and a chapter that I really enjoy: uh, Trudy mm-hmm. and Mia. Um, this flashes back a little bit. This is, um, to again, right after the battle, um, when, uh, Susanna had gone through the door with black 13. So this is her first arrival in 1999 in Keystone earth. Um, and, uh, oh, we see this through the eyes of this very hard headed, um, aspirational, uh, cutthroat. I think she's, um, she, she works at a bank or something like that, Like she's getting ready to put, to put the screws to it. Like the owner of a toy store who owes her money. I just picture it. Like, um, have you ever, did you ever read those Kate Beaton comics where they, she does the eighties business woman, you know, where she's got the shoulder pads and <laughs> yep. like when she, she's got like pumps and then she's got tennis shoes and a little back, you know, like it's, um, it's very eighties business woman. I'm sure she has a bag phone that they just don't talk about. Of course, I guess this is in the seventies, right? Or what, what year is this? This is 1999. Oh yeah. Well, maybe her phone's a little bit smaller then oh, yeah. but I, I just that's all i can picture is like basically like murphy brown you know <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> like just strolling down the street yeah she 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 is the subject of the cakes on short skirt lawn jacket <laughs> so, um so uh her name is trudy damascus which is um a little bit on the nose in terms of a last name uh, in terms of, you know, Saul on the road to Damascus, seeing seeing Christ and the, the scales falling, falling from his eyes, the instant conversion kind of thing, you know. Um, but Trudy, her whole life has changed. She goes from being a skeptic to a believer basically in an instant because she sees Susanna blink into existence and then grow legs. So <laughs> Su- Susanna appears on her knees and then boop. Um, outcome into yeah. the, the, the legs of her jeans, oh, almost like a reverse of the wicked witch of the, of the East being smashed, yeah. <laughs> the, the, the legs just kind of unfurl. And then there she is. And, and not only does she like, just, just blink into existence. She basically like robs Trudy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so she, she's appearing and she's speaking in multiple voices. Trudy uh, talks about it a little bit like, um, like an impressionist. Um, switching, uh, switching personas, right? Like, oh, now I'm doing my Jack Nicholson. Now I'm doing my Elvis. Um, yeah. you know, just the completely different bearing because I mean, the, a little bit of the scary part isn't just that Mia is 
in control here and calling the shots. Uh, but Detta's back in a big, bad way. So I hope you're ready uh, for some of that really uncomfortable um, dialect. <laughs> yeah. But but I got to say, I, I want to high five Detta in this book. Detta's fun in this book. Oh, she's so fun. <laughs> Yeah. She, she she is she is the voice of reason she is the yes. kind, of, kind of the cunning the cunning that uh susanna needs especially because i don't know like you get the sense that susanna is not used to being sidelined at all you know she's this new personality yeah. odetta uh, odetta is pretty much gone detta was you know it, the, the idea was that she was integrated no detta just was pushed down even further susanna's not used mm -hmm. to being pushed to the back um, Detta is, and she knows how to navigate this. So it's a little bit mm -hmm. like tagging in your big brother <laughs> you know, to help <laughs> to help win the fight for you. Um, especially there's, when you're when you're there, elbowing for headspace. There's there's a line a little bit farther in, and, and we'll get there. But when when Detta basically says to to Susanna, "This Mia is not smart. Like she's <laughs> dumb. I don't know if you noticed this girl, but she is dumb. <laughs> yep. Like, we can use that. We to, can trick her. Yeah, we can <laughs> use that to our advantage." Yeah. Yeah. Um and 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 that's the thing that is I don't know, a little bit easy to forget because Data isn't around very, for very long and her presentation is, you know, just incredibly bloodthirsty, right? Just, you know, mm -hmm. immediately wants to kill Eddie, wants to kill wants to kill Roland, you know, she is just this un un unrestrained id. Um Data is the smartest of them in terms of yeah. in terms of just kind of like sheer cutting awareness. Um, yeah. so yeah, she is the artillery that, that, that they need. I believe that it, so, <laughs> good. Oh, I was just going to say, just, just of, of all, of all the roads for Trudy to walk down that day. And it's, and it's like right by the, right by the vacant lot too. Um, mm -hmm. which is <gasps> the, the one with the roads. Mm -hmm. <laughs> She'll be back there later. Um, but yeah, no, so it's, uh, it's Mia who kind of demands like, Hey, I need, I need, I need your shoes. Um, but she doesn't ask as as nicely. In fact, I think that Mia threatens to use one of the Ariza blades to cut off Trudy's breasts, or says, "No, if you if you go to the cops, I'm going to cut your boobs off." Nice. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and not necessarily pulling any punches. Uh, but yeah, yeah, they 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 take Trudy's shoes and they take her her bag, um, and at insult injury, they they they, they take her newspaper. Um, this is Susanna. They 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 need her paper to uh, determine what the date is. Yeah, and, and to just do the Friday New York Times crossword. Of course. You know? Yeah, it's the hardest one. Yeah, yeah. and, and that, yeah. that that'll be good to have that out for too as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, there's a little bit more story about Trudy going to report this to the police, and this is where she gets the um, um, the <laughs> the people not believe in the protagonist of a lifetime movie um routine from pretty much everybody uh that she tells the story to people saying oh you know pulling out the same stuff you didn't see her come out from behind a bus stop well there is no bus stop maybe she came out from a shop all the shops are closed um yeah. she genuinely had this conversion and yeah nothing um nothing's going to be the same and in fact this touch has given her this impending sense of doom. She is tuned into tuned into the way that things are tipping. So you can't say that she was changed for the better by this, by this glancing encounter. I mean, she's definitely one pair of shoes poor. I know, right. They were the good shoes. They weren't her, uh, her, 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 her kicks, right? 
Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> One detail that I love, you know, because this is by where the where, where the vacant lot was, and not not a lot of attention is paid to the fact that there's a building here now. Um, it's a, a two hammer skilled plaza. Um, she hears this hum, and our buddy, I forget what book he was in, uh, but our buddy who a while ago he had this terrible acne, but when he heard the humming, it started getting better. Well, here he is 20 years later, 22 years later after, um, you know, Jake encountered him and he still comes by every day for his quote acne treatments. Yeah. I, you know, I've been looking for a new skincare regimen, so maybe, um, maybe this is the way to go. I just need to find a vacant lot with a rose in it or <laughs> maybe there's a building there now, but yeah, no. Do, do you know of an art, art, artistic deli that I could go to, to fix my skin? Cole? I, I hear they serve a good roast beef and potato sandwich now <laughs> or whatever Trudy was eating. Yeah. yeah there's a whole other there, there's a whole scrooge thing just a just a blob of mustard yeah and just a bunch of stuff but trudy she goes and she finds her paper by a by a plaza with this turtle statue um you know turtle fountain with the graffiti of course see the turtle of enormous girth although she assures us that the that the uh the turtle is indeed a very modest size yeah, and obviously the listeners can't see us right now, but you and I are both doing one of those hammy winks, right? Like, <laughs> oh, turtle. Yep. <laughs> Wink. Uh, we're we're, we're going to see more of it. We're <laughs> way way of the turtle. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, um, stanza four takes us to uh, Susanna's dogan. Now we're in Susanna's perspective. Um, I didn't give you a chance to like, what, what, what did you think of the whole, uh, of the whole Trudy kind of arc, uh, her, 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 her little chapter in the, in the, in the spotlight. It was, it was a cool way to flip it around just because you don't have, I mean, of course you could have Susanna pop into 1999 and be like, oh, wow, look how crazy this is. What is that? <laughs> is that a digital sign? But seeing, I guess, one of us confronting this odd person from another world i think is probably a little bit more effective you yeah. know yeah um and i think kind of resets resets the expectation helps us helps mm -hmm. us remember to see some of these events through the eyes of an earth like not somebody who is kind of been saturated in midworld and this uh and, and this mythos right yeah and i mean it really communicates the urgency too because i mean the me is about to have a baby like it's it, it's eminent, yeah. you, you know, and she she needs those shoes and she needs to get to a phone and somewhere immediately, you know? Yes. Um, I think they say so she comes through. It's June 1st of 1999. Um, and she doesn't think that they're going to get anywhere close to midnight on June 2nd. So the clock is kind of ticking like this is um, this is, you know, less than a day uh, that they have for all this to work out. So yeah, moving, moving to Susanna's Dogen, we're back in Susanna's point of view. She's at this plaza park kind of battling for control with Mia and Detta flashing back to leaving the ring behind. Um, what do you make of Mia being concerned about the, um, about Eddie's scent, you know, quote unquote scent being on the ring saying like, Hey, we, you know, you don't want them after him too. It it, it kind of reminds me of, um, gosh, it must have been back in in book two, maybe the the drawing of the three. There'd be these moments that little bits of Detta would slip into Odetta's um, speech, mm -hmm. and she kind of wasn't cognizant of it. Um, oh, no. I mean, it's not that Mia has any goodwill towards Su Susanna, but mm -hmm. um, 
wanting her to leave the wedding ring. I mean, she kind of by proxy almost, or by, she by osmosis maybe, does have some regard for Eddie just that, and I mean, you don't want the bad guys to get him, right? Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, isn't something that Mia should care about. Like, I wonder if it's another little bleeding of personalities. That's a good interpretation. I was I was a little bit, not put off, but um, once I put off balance uh, by, mm-hmm. that, by that sudden regard that she has. Um, yeah. Because Mia so far, and for the rest of this book, is monomaniacal. She's obsessed with, you know, getting this kid, getting the chap out, right? Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we see that. And Mia, that uh, <laughs> that obsession is continuing. You know, she's not just here. She needs to get to a place with a phone, even though um, Detta and Susanna correctly surmise she has no way of knowing what a phone is. So there are people who are expecting her that told her I, to I find ha- a place with a phone. <laughs> I, I have to say, I thought that she like might be because, I mean, we already know Detta thinks she's a dumbass. I, I kind of was like, OK, girl, yeah, you're going to get it. No, she's right. They call her. <laughs> like, I mean. <laughs> She she nailed it. She's like, I just have to get to any phone and they'll mm-hmm. call me, which makes no sense, but it works. Yeah. Yep. Man, they, 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 they planned it out, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the labor pains got in. Um, and obviously this is incredibly distracting. Um, and Susanna, uh, she kind of discovers or hones in on what her actual power is. Because we saw a little bit of um, this when... She was going to the, uh, to the to the banquet hall, but it's kind of laid out very nicely here, you know, talking about how Jake was given this ability to see and hear from very far away, given what is broadly referred to as the touch. Eddie was given the ability to craft these talismanic objects um, and Susanna, her power that she got, um, her Captain Planet power has been pretty unclear, but now it's here. She, she, she can see things and by seeing them make them real. You know, it is referred to a little bit as visualization, but like this is a physical place that she, her psyche goes to this Dogen, this kind of psychic slash physical place based on Jake's description of the room where, um, the older Sleipman, uh, you know, went, uh, where, which is basically Andy's, um, and the Wolves' base of operation, right? The Kwanzaa hut full of all the TVs and stuff, but because it is based on (laughs) just, uh, a secondhand description, and Susanna's level of technology, uh, she is picturing like Zenith televisions um, and things like that. She's never seen an IBM workstation. God, if only she had seen the film Pacific Rim, right? <laughs> um, this is where I admit I don't know specifically what you're talking about. Can you clarify? Oh, I just the the idea of Susanna controlling her body like a really awesome mech or oh, something, yeah. you know, is like, you know, like. I got got to learn to walk in this giant metal suit, you know, like a, a <laughs> like like picturing that, like a like yeah. a, a metal battle Susanna gunslinger. Yeah, it, it's like she's playing The Sims with herself. <laughs> she's, she's got all these little meters and like ways to influence them, and they all have dependencies and stuff. Like she yeah. goes she goes to turn the labor pain down, and like the the other stuff, like the psychic distress and everything, like jump up. Um. Yeah. No. She she's got just all these different ways to directly control what is whatever is physically and psychologically going on while also monitoring what her body can see and getting um, a status update on the chap itself, which um, distressingly doesn't have Eddie's hazel eyes, but has piercing blue eyes. 
Uh-oh. Mm. Man, who else do we know that also has piercing blue eyes? Weird. <laughs> Bombardier's on tip, eyes almost. On the tip of my tongue. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, that's going to, I mean, yes, it's Roland's. It is Roland's child. We can we can, we can say that. We'll get the yeah. answer as to why, we'll, as to how. We'll find later. that out in three pages. Yes, we will. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, they, they, they've got this. And also, uh, as she turns down, as the stress increases, like cracks start manifesting in the building itself and in the floor and stuff. Um, it's I, a cool I, idea. I really like that because it's uh, just because you can control it doesn't mean you should. Like, I like that there's consequences. You know, you're about to to wreck the whole Dogen. <laughs> There's a cost, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so back in real life, they've got to work out this deal, right? Detta has the ability to get on these controls and keep things smooth for Mia so she can get wherever she needs to go. But they need to re renegotiate these terms. But they can't do that sitting on the bench in this plaza. They've got to get to a private place. Mm -hmm. um, taking us to stanza five, the turtle... <laughs> Where all of a sudden this just becomes a comedy again. Yeah, well, it's where we find the the turtle of extremely small girth. Yeah, just a, just a tiny tiny little guy. <laughs> so, um, yeah, they've got to meet face to face. Mia says, "Hey, castle, the castle at the abyss. Let's find a place to pass out." Um, and a little bit of Deus Ex Machina here, or a bit of a. Uh, a plot contrivance, uh, Susanna gets a vision. She goes Todash kind of seeing something that already happened. The scene from Wolves of the Kala, um, where Eddie and Callahan were in Doorway Cave, and Eddie like noticed something sewn into the lining of the bowling bag that holds the box with Black 13 in it. Um, and they just kind of, you know, say, Oh, we're gonna check into that later. Well, Susanna <laughs> has this now. Um, and you will recognize this, Autumn, because you were on the episode of Desperate Desperation. Uh, it's a canta. Yeah, <laughs> it's a it is a tiny little scrimshaw ivory scrimshaw turtle got a little question question mark uh, kind of uh, imperfection on it, um, and it is the the the, the shulpada is, uh, is 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 how that's pronounced. Although it looks like it should be written skulpada. <laughs> I'm just making a middle note since I know that you just listened to the to the audiobook. I'm just going to make a middle note because I definitely would have said skulpada. So, yes. Sculpida. Yeah. Uh, who, who knows if George Goodell got good, uh, good direction on that or just decided to wing it. No idea. Um, yeah. But if you think back to book three, when Jake had his key and was drawing little crowds with it, uh, the Shulpada, this turtle does the same thing. Um, in fact, it immediately draws the attention of one Matheson Van Wick, or as he would insist you call him, Matt's. This, I think he's like a deputy diplomat from Norway because they're over in, in, in Turtle Beach near where the UN is. Um, and he wants that turtle. <laughs> Gosh, you know, you know, it just goes to show that the wrong people always end up with these magic turtles. Like, Cole, I think you and I are nice, kind people. Like, I think I could wield that turtle well, <laughs> you know, use it like, for I, good. I wouldn't just be hustling hustling Norwegians for free hotel rooms. You know, I, I do good with it. Like, like when Susanna fixes his bad bowels, like by the way, you know, after she hypnotizes him, she hypnotizes him into renting our hotel room and giving her a bunch of money. And then he, she's like, by the way, you said you were having some bowel problems. That'll be fixed forever. Yeah. You'll be regular. Like that would be me. Mm -hmm. I, I deserve a turtle. 
Yeah, just t- t- tremendous power of suggestion. I deserve it. Where's my turtle? <laughs> yeah, I mean, and Cole, you're a good guy. I, I feel like you could wield the turtle well, too. The thing is, you know, you if have I to. A, if I had a turtle, I'd share it with you. <laughs> it was, okay, so uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, and every other Sunday, it's yours. Yeah, and then we, exactly. And then, then we can pass it off. Although the <laughs> mailing it would be would be tough. Um, yeah, <laughs> because somebody would know. Yeah, somebody would break fair. into it. Boom! Turtle's gone. It's out in the world. Yeah. Um, all kinds just, of ignoble. Just but, invite a bunch of my friends over. <laughs> yeah, you, you guys want to come stare at my turtle for a little while? Like, oh yeah, we love looking at your turtle, Otto. See, the thing is, they can't want the turtle. You have to use the turtle to make them want better things for the world. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, Don't I just, get back with your ex. <laughs> I said that in a very sinister way, and I uh, maybe maybe I don't deserve the turtle. <laughs> yeah, actually, I guess the more that I think about it, I'd use it really like well for like the first week. If right. I had a turtle that hypnotized people, like the first week, I'd be like really like beneficent and like you, you know like magnanimous, <laughs> and then I'd probably yeah. be like, "Hey, can I get two ranches and not have to pay for it?" Like. <laughs> At McDonald's or something, you know, and like, and we would charge all... you 18 cents for the second one. I'm like, do you look at my turtle? You know, <laughs> how are your bowels today? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so the same as shame. Someone made them irregular. Mm. <laughs> so, so Matt's, um, he immediately turns kind of childlike when he sees this, um, and, um, kind of divulges everything. You know, we talked about like, Oh, I finally got my bowels regular and he admits like, Oh, my wife is sleeping with somebody else and it makes me very sad. And also I would like that turtle very much. Um, and <laughs> Greta kind of identifies like, all right, this is probably our way. He seems like he has a lot of money. Um, like we said, he hypnotizes her and or hypnotizes Matt into giving her his credit card and then also going and renting, renting her a room at the UN Plaza hotel nearby. So her and uh, Mia can go have their palaver. Um, and this also draws like a crowd of teenagers and stuff too. Um, <laughs> I, I, so a, l- a little bit of a running thing here is Susanna's reaction to a New York for more than 30 years after she left it. Um, and it- she's not so much like, you know, disturbed by the technology, like she calls a computer, a television with a typewriter attached to it, which is eh, pr- pretty accurate. Um, yeah. But she is really she, concerned about midriffs. Yeah, mid midriffs, and she just needs someone to give her the deets on the current state of race relations. Yes, like <laughs> is 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 it okay if I do this? Yeah, you know, I came from a very segregated time. Yes, no, I I, I genuinely have reason to fear for my life. If you could just give me the update, yeah. that would be that, yeah, that would yeah. be good. Just, just give me the four one one on whether it's okay for me to be checked into a room with a Norwegian diplomat. Yes, yeah. Um, and now I'm sad, <laughs> but she takes the, uh, she takes the credit card and goes to the hotel and she marvels at this, um, mixed race woman. Who's the clerk at the front, you know, saying like, oh, wow. just, you know, the fact that she, you know, again, race relations have, have moved on from the, from the sixties, um, you know, and to avoid suspicion, uh, Susanna uses the, uh, uses the turtle. However, doesn't quite pan out because uh, this woman starts speaking of the Crimson King, saying that all will yeah. fall before him and such. Yeah, she she does say some some scary, ominous things. Yeah, yeah. You get the sense that uh, um, the king is looking through her eyes, right? That 
Whenever someone says, oh, Discordio, whatever happens next, it is usually not good. No, no. Um, something that could probably be called just overly derivative of, of Tolkien is something that also I kind of like, which is mm-hmm. the idea that, you know, the red eye of the Crimson King watches and sees far. You know, we're going to see that when we get to the uh, when we get to the castle on the abyss um, a little bit earlier. Um, Jake was talking to Callahan. And kind of obliquely referred to something he hopes doesn't happen. Callahan got confused and he, he pointed at his, at his, you know, bandana, which was red and pointed at his eye. They're like, oh, the eyes see far. The paranoia is absolutely, is absolutely justified as we see later. Like, like there is yeah. spying happening, but just the idea that as they get closer to end world in the, um, um, <laughs> you know, on Roland's level of, level of the tower, um, the danger gets higher that these forces that they have mostly been remote from previously um, are going to start uh, start taking a, a greater interest in them. I, I love that sense of paranoia and oppression. Agree. Yeah. So, of course, they go to room 1919. <laughs> it, it had to be room 1919. Absolutely. And when Mia put the... <laughs> Sorry. These safes, I, I always love these safes. I, I, I put, I put my toothbrush and toothpaste on the safe whenever I'm in a hotel with a safe. Do you really? Yeah, I do. Um, not for any like reason. Not that I think anybody's going to get my, my, my good, good Colgate or whatever. Uh, yeah. No, but well, it's, just, it's, just, it's it's fun to lock something in a safe. Mo- <laughs> yeah, too too many movies, and you don't want them to have a source of your DNA, right? Oh, so they God. cross reference all those crimes. Yeah, all these imperfect coals coming after me. <laughs> Hello yeah, and welcome yeah. to Earl. No, no. Yeah, we 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 know the guy with the turtle is doing some terrible things. If yeah. we just had his DNA, we <laughs> could get him. Just a just a just a bunch of red hair and just a just just a ball of legs just rolling across the countryside <laughs> like a tumbleweed. Uh, it's no good. It, it can't happen again. <laughs> but Mia, but Mia puts the uh, uh, puts Black Thirteen in the hotel safe and uh, gives the combination nineteen ninety nine, uh, and then very cutely asks Susanna, "How do I make the phone ring?" Oh, honey! Oh, he'll call you when he's ready. Um, yeah, yeah. And now it's time for the palaver, where we get a lot of exposition in stanza six, the Castle of Lore. Yeah. Um, where they go toe dash kind of, um, to this castle at the center of a, uh, dead town called Fedek, uh, that was wiped out by another fictional disease. This time it wasn't Captain Trips. This time it was the Red Death, you know, from Pose, the mask of the Red Death. It, it, it's really interesting and it feels deliberate to me and we'll, we'll see this, you know, you know, I feel like what happened here is King, obviously, with these books coming out in quick succession, he knew where he wanted to end up and he had these threads and he wanted to bundle them up because we we've seen famous authors works in this already. Like, you know, obviously we went to Oz effectively, you know, we've got mm-hmm. like little Ruby slippers and everything, but he makes sure to call out a lot of authors in this Um Dickens, he mentions Edgar Allan Poe twice in just this section. Like we, we've started to see that authors' works can be realized in the real world. I mean, shoot, like Callahan has Salem's Lot on his lap. Yeah. So he, I feel like he's kind of trying to set this up and show that these stories and writers have some 
power and influence in these worlds. Yeah, some some basis. And it's confusing. I mean, even when we get even when we even when we get to what King is trying to soften the ground for, um, you know, when he inserts himself into the into the story, that's not necessarily a, a, a huge revelation for people. I hope not. Even when we get yeah. to that, it's unclear specifically how it works, right? Because it's not like these authors are writing and creating this stuff. Um, But also it's not necessarily, you know, that they have glimpsed this or it has been pulled from another world into their fiction. Right. They're they're like, it's a little bit like two sides of the same equation almost. And it has to balance out. Um, Yeah. Yeah. That, 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 that probably didn't make as much sense as I thought it would when I started the sentence. Um, but yeah, he, he is, he is absolutely laying the track for that. And also, I don't know. <laughs> I just like the idea of an entire town that is laid, laid low, uh, by a fictional disease. Yes. Um, yeah. a really gross, bloody one too. Yeah, yeah. And it just, I mean, I don't know, like all this stuff in end world, like thunderclap and beyond in book seven specifically, but you know, here where we're in the castle on the abyss and later when we get to castle Discordia and things like that. Um, like this, all the just dark souls ass stuff, you know, um, the, the, the doomed castles and the blasted wastelands and, you know, the abyss that, that this castle is perched over is a gigantic ravine that a bunch of monsters fell into. And now it's the land of the monsters. You know, I don't mean to bag on the, the, the villagers of of Fedic, the Fedicians, um, (laughs) um, but like the fact that you settled around the castle on the abyss, like you had to know this was not going to like property values weren't going to hold, you, you, you know, like, yeah, like yeah. there were going to be problems as as long as the bridge is there. It's fine. But yeah, no, yeah. no, it's uh, <laughs> they, they, they probably should have probably should have foreseen that. Yeah, we're going to move. We're going to move in next <laughs> to the mercury plant. Nothing can go wrong. Yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, just all, just all of this, just apocalyptic medieval stuff. I, I, I'm a sucker for it. I don't care if it's superficial. It's just really my style. So yeah. Uh, but this is where we get a lot of exposition and Mia confirms what we, you know, alluded to, um, or outright stated before when we saw those, those blue eyes on the fetus, uh, that Roland is the father of the chap. Um, and Mia is, uh, first off, this is the first time we've seen Mia in the flesh. Um, she is, you know, an attractive, attractive woman who happens to be, to, to be white, which Susanna imagines puts dead off tremendously. Um, and she is walking along these battlements, um, kind of making these grand proclamations and gesturing to the, gesturing to the mountains <laughs> that are, you know, these, these blasted peaks and stuff like that. And she declares, you know, like, yes, you know, I've, I've looked into your head and I've, I've pulled from your knowledge and I'm going to name the chap Mordred because, you know, like in your legends, you know, Mordred is going to kill his father and bring about the end, you know, referring to Mordred, the son of Arthur. Right. Yeah. And I mean, Mia's here for it. She's like, Oh yeah, I carry your den's doom in my belly. <laughs> like, and there's kind of yeah, nothing you can right do about here. it. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, I got I got a bunch of Den's Doom right here. <laughs> um, I've pulled a bunch of quotes from this specifically because the wording is good, but also we're going to need to be kind of specific with some of the ideas that are being played with here. 
Well, well, we we need to to make up for that line that you glossed over earlier, which is um, you said that that Susanna would be upset that Detta, yeah, or Detta would be upset that Mia was white. But um, I believe the line is because I wrote it down. How that must frost Detta Walker's racially sensitive butt. <laughs> yeah. So we could use some good writing. We 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 could um not not necessarily hey 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 King I'm I'm gonna give I'm gonna give you a D plus on that one we've been handing out some A pluses we're gonna give we're gonna give you a D plus um, yeah. <laughs> um oh that's gonna frost her butt <laughs> you, you tell him Susanna yeah um boy no I don't I don't, I don't care for that one bit. <laughs> So, yeah, yeah. Um, so let's so let's hear hear a good line. Uh, let, let, let's do that. You know, so all of this should be predicated by the fact that this is Mia giving uh, the uh, g- giving the lecture about the way midworld and this cosmology works, um, and kind of talking about these values. Understand that, like Detta said, um, Mia is not that bright. And also she is being manipulated by forces greater than her. So I like the doubt that is cast into this, but Mia in talking about in talking about the decay that is happening and um, you know, the decay that the Crimson King and Mordred are going to accelerate talking to Susanna. She says, you doom yourself, Susanna. You seem positively bent on it. And the root is always the same. Your faith fails you and you replace it with rational thought. But there is no love in thought, nothing that lasts in deception, only death and rationalism, which I don't know, reading this and then thinking back, did this just immediately make you think of the entire thesis of the stand? Yes. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm trying to figure out if this is actually if this is actually true in kind of the the broader philosophy of this series, because the stand very, you know, with a very straight face puts forward that, you know, technology and logic and the hard cases will only lead to destruction. Whereas the softer, more faith driven touch, this very kind of seventies naturalistic fallacy idea will ultimately be what saves us. Um, kind of, how do you reconcile those two things where it's presented as a good, you know, this idea is presented as a good thing in one work and then like literally put in the mouth of a villain in the other. You, you know, it's, I, I guess you could also take a look at Salem's lot with this too. Cause we have seen, you, you know, a big problem is that at first a lot of people didn't want to believe in vampires or, mm-hmm. you know, Callahan definitely loses his faith and is trying to assign this structure with these different tiers and levels of, of vampire but i mean it, i don't know if i feel like it touches on a lot of themes from from stephen king stuff i mean we see it you know. in it when they grow up and they've got all that rationalism now but i mm-hmm. mean they also have this magical experience from when they're young like it's um yeah well it's like a it's like a thesis yeah it, it, for, for a, all of his works yeah it, it it ties a lot of this together I, I i believe that it holds true because you know this is used as almost a motivation for the mythology of why the world is moving on. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. By talking about how magic is replaced with this technology, quite literally. So, you know, the, the, the prim, this soup of chaos, you know, the space outside of ordered outside of or- <laughs> the space outside of order, um, you know, receded. It was like a gigantic sea 
Um, you know, and when it receded, it left, it left the world with the tower to kind of hold everything together. And there were places where stuff from the prim just kind of got beached. Right. And that's where you get things, yeah. you know, like the Crimson King, that's where you get things like Pennywise. Um, and so when, when, I think, I think she says when the age of magic passed, the age of machines came. Yes. <laughs> and it wasn't that the machine came, it was ushered. Right. You know, magic faded, mm -hmm. you know, and the beams, you know, they, they were fading too. man tried, you know, they basically pulled out the organic guts of whatever was going on here and propped it up with technology. Um, we should have never, never made those dipolar computers and those slow trans engines like Blaine had <laughs> damn should have you. never done it. Damn you. North central positronics. No, quite <laughs> literally. Damn you. You've, you, 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 you pooched it. Um, <laughs> Another quote here, the Crimson King's breakers are only hurrying along a process that's already in train. The machines are going mad. You've seen this for yourself. The men believed there would always be more men like them to make more machines. None of them foresaw what's happened. This, this universal exhaustion. So when you replace magic Oof. with technology, what is left to replace technology? If magic has already, has already receded, right? If faith has given way to rationalism and rationalism, rationalism has consumed it. You know, you know, there's nothing left to order the world um, and stop the tower from falling and to keep the prim damned up outside of space. Right. Yeah. We, we, th we thought we were just um, coming to deliver a baby and whew, <laughs> It's even worse than we thought. Yeah, no, we're we're learn we're learning how the how the world works, um, and it is not necessarily or, or how how it yeah it does not work anymore. Yes, how it <laughs> how, how it has ceased how it has ceased to function, and it is not that the tower is a is 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 a shield that keeps spiders out, Mister Mister Roland from the movie. Sorry, um, <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, so as this magic fades, you know, these demons that are left behind are waking up and they're kind of seeping in, you know, and, um, uh, Mia talks about, you know, some of these, you know, there's ways they've manifested, you know, they're like, they're house demons, but we, you know, call them ghosts. Um, others are just straight up plague. So, you know, it's possible, you know, when we've seen captain trips manifest in these other levels of the tower, like in Topeka, when they, when they came, you know, <laughs> when they, uh, left playing the mono in book four, um, you know, in the mask of the red death, all this stuff, this disease is a manifestation of some elemental force that is left behind. Um, and this is where Mia lets slip that the Crimson King is king. The, the king is working, you know, to topple the tower at the promise of some greater force. But there is, you know, plausible deniability here that he is absolutely insane and probably just promised it himself. I, I really like there's this kind of parody here with, um, Mia mentions um, or kind of surprises Susanna with something she hadn't thought of, which is, um, you know, Roland's never told you that he was going to save the tower. He just <laughs> wanted to see it. And Susanna's like, oh, damn. <laughs> and later we we kind of see the same thing. Like Mia's like, I'm going to raise this kid. And Susanna's like, they never told you like how long you'd be raising it. What, <laughs> 10 minutes? Like, and she's like, oh, damn. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. A lot of us kind of jumped to some some conclusions there, didn't we? Huh. Yeah, like, oh man, I didn't think of that. Yep. No, I mean, so like, the, like Mia dropped some science, and I, I don't know, I, I meant 
probably some, you know, a few years ago, I meant to kind of go through this, go through this run looking for times when Roland had talked about like, Oh, I'm going to save the tower. I'm going to stop this decay from happening. Um, as we sit here and talk right now, Autumn, most of what I can think of is him wanting to see what's at the top of the tower. This is yeah, you know, it's just getting there. Yeah. Like it is, it is a pilgrimage. It is, it is not necessarily a rescue mission. Um, and it's a real case of there's nothing in the robot that says dogs can't play basketball. <laughs> yeah. That's another sign that the world is moving on. Dogs play basketball. It's real yeah. fun until it all ends. Yeah. Roland's <laughs> going to open the top door of the tower and it's just going to be Air Bud. <laughs> just many, many different sequels to Air Bud. Just making dunks. Mm-hmm. Good, clean fun. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So there, there, there is a little bit of a, an, an, a nice little parry and riposte on that that we see later. Because Mia, as we said, is being, you know, being manipulated. Um, mm -hmm. what is that Leah's Mia though? Because it's not quite clear, you know, she, she's from mid world, but not quite like, how could she live in this castle that has no food in it? Um, in the center of this town that is dead in the middle of this region that, uh, is known to have toxic soil, etc. Well, over all these other demons, there are these six elemental demons, just like there are six beams and every demon has these two as aspects They can be male and female under therefore infertile which is why <laughs> she views what she's been given as a gift um and i'm just going to say what happened and how she happened to father a child with roland here because it spans several books we may have like squeamishly alluded to what was going on obliquely back in the beginning but now we can lay it out so remember in book one when the Oracle, this succubus was about to, you know, sleep with Jake and suck out his soul or whatever. And Roland went in and, um, kind of intercepted, uh, uh the, the, the Oracle and then slept with it. So yeah, he, he just, he just dosed a bunch of mescaline and had sex with a demon. Yep. And just like, like gunslingers do. <laughs> um, <laughs> So the product of that union, his, his sperm, his genetic material, um, was taken into this demon. Um, and the demon who raped Susanna later in book three, as they were bringing, um, as they were bringing Jake through another speaking circle, uh, that was the male aspect of the same demon, um, the same elemental possibly. And that is when the seed was transferred, having been laundered through this invisible force, this elemental force that was, if Mia is to be believed, uh, given tangible form, deposited into um, Susanna's body in order to intercept um, the chap uh, and, you know, raise it in the castle as Susanna was, you know, basically sending nutrients to it through this toe dash kind of arrangement that they had going on. I, I would love to be sitting in the gallery in court or like just be a fly, fly on the wall where they, um, I, I guess they do all the child custody cases in, in Roland's world where they're like, okay, well, <laughs> tell me about your interaction with the demon. So, so no promises were made of future support by the demon. <laughs> this would be the most confusing episode of Maury. 
Yeah, ex- exactly. <laughs> well, you are the father, but not like you think. <laughs> All right. So... You know, six degrees of separation. Um, what if there? What if all the steps in between were demons? And also, yeah. and, and and also, the at at the end, you ended up getting your best friend's wife pregnant. Hmm. Yeah, Ooh, rolling. Yeah, I, I know you were you were on that masculine, but you should have wrapped it up, bro. <laughs> yeah, like it, there weren't really that many animals around. There was no nothing they could, you know, make a. <laughs> make a, a a rustic condom out of well what's um, the point of having that that big bag that you carry around with you with all of your tobacco in it if you yeah. don't have a few prophylactics rolling yeah, like man no you keep your mescaline in there what about your doms man i as mean I, have you, I, have you seen these horses with extra legs like <laughs> wrap it up yep you don't know what could be out there the red death's in play come on Exactly. You could be making threaded stock out there, Roland. It's not good. <laughs> um, so we're, we're we're joking because this is the, the, the this is farcical. Um, how did how did you take this when you first when you first encountered it back in the day? Um, I, 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 it, I'd be curious. I'm like. I'm like, well, that was a handy plot device. It's like what are the what are those back like backronyms where there's an abbreviation for something and you make up a sentence to go to go with it? Like this is like a backronym. Like just okay, well, I do need her to be pregnant from the demon. Man, if I did this, it'd be more dramatic. Oh, okay. Like it just feels a little plotty to me. It doesn't feel like it was planned ahead of time. It feels like it was. It wouldn't have been better if it was planned ahead of time either. Like this is the gambit that I was set up to, you know, to to execute over the course of 30 years of my writing career. Um, yeah, it feels like a, uh, like retcon is like probably too strong of a word because it's, it's just an explanation for a thing that happened. What bothers me is it feels like it's over explained. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, remember, remember like last year when everyone was doing those tweets when they would do them over the course of six months and then the first letter of every single tweet would actually spell a sentence or something. I feel yeah. like Stephen King just happened to notice that a few of his tweets spelled out something and he was like, yeah, there yeah. it is. <laughs> Lots <laughs> like, of people like, are know? having sex with demons in my books. How can this line up? Yeah, like, oh, cool. What a fun coincidence. I'm going to I'm going to write this in and make it like <laughs> i don't i don't know <laughs> so i th- I think that it, it, the result i mean it could have just been a demon baby like Susanna also had sex with a sex demon. it could have just been a demon baby and you could have made that demon whatever you wanted like mm-hmm. making it roland's child like i, I, I make, make, I, I make it the I son of the you... crimson king you know <laughs> well, why not yeah because i mean and this is kind of probably next level i forget if this is mentioned in the books i think it might be obliquely mentioned in the books but it's absolutely mentioned in the comics um roland and the king are related because because Uh, because what yeah no arthur eld um through kind of a similar circumstance ended up having sex with a demon from the prim called the crimson queen um and that that (gasps) that that is that is what produced the 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 crimson king um and so they're 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 kind of it's a little bit of like a like a Cain and Abel kind of thing, right? Um, where uh-huh. you have you, you you have the Crimson King, who you know who ends up being you know the Cain, uh, setting up all this stuff, you know, half demon or what have you, um, and Abel being the line of Eld that kind of passed down and inherited Gilead and ordered the Earth, right? Wow. Yeah. Huh. 
So, <laughs> so we we've got Mia saying all this really cool mystic shit, and then Susanna and Detta just roast her. They they like go over to a corner and they just they they they, they take a they take out there get a load of this guy camera. Um, <laughs> and this is where Detta. <laughs> This is this is where Detta cuts in, saying like, "Yeah, no, she's she's dumb as a box of rocks. Who knows if we can actually believe what she's what she's saying?" And this is where they take it and put it to her, saying like, "All right, well, we're manipulated. Um, you know, you, you you basically have edged us further and further into this without really telling us the truth." Um, and let, let me let me find my find my notes here. Um, and they kind of put it to her like, "Okay, well, are you like, how do you know that you actually are this?" this elemental demon, you know, this, the, this high thing, you know, <laughs> which is basically, is any of this true? And furthermore, this, this child that you want to bear because no, no demon can have a child. You know, there's the, the this line of stories that you, the, the, that you've been sold. Um, do you know that you're going to get to take care of it? Like you mentioned that it's not going to have a normal childhood. You're not going to have 18 years with this. It's probably going to be a few, um, but you know, you have no way to, you have no way to believe that. And anger, Mia takes oh, them when, home. Go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say when Susanna says to her, you're nothing but the babysitter girl. Like that is <laughs> a sick burn. Oh my God. Calling, you know, calling this person who is obsessed with motherhood, the babysitter. Mm. Yeah. Like, she's like, my name means mother. And you're like, you're just a babysitter. Yeah. Who gave you that like, name? The person ouch. who wanted you to be obsessed yeah. with motherhood, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Oh. The, the person that hands you ten dollars at the end of the night and drives you home, like, I, you're a babysitter. I I, I, for, I forget it's 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 either during the scene or during the phone call. Uh, but when Mia's kind of saying like, no, I just think that they said I'll get to I'll have the baby and I'll raise it and I'll be the mother of the of of the earth, the new earth, and then Detta comes forward and gives this uh gives this really kind of crass summation, but it kind of gets to it. Like, Oh no, honey, I'll let you know before I finish. And I won't, I won't get any in your hair. Oh yeah. Yeah. Just like, Oh yeah. Like these are, these are a bunch of dudes who lied to you. Just like, just like somebody who's very inconsiderate about blowjob etiquette. Like, um, so, which, which I have to imagine that the low men are probably pretty inconsiderate about blowjob etiquette. They seem pretty selfish to me. Yeah. 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 Yeah, given that they are rats in human suits. <laughs> yeah. Oh, geez. So, um, I, I love the description of this when they when the phone rings and an angry Mia takes them home, tearing the world open like uh, like paper. Um, mm-hmm. again, ripping from the sky down. Um, just as we're talking about the power of fiction and stuff, Autumn, have you seen the John Carpenter Carpenter movie? Um, oh gosh, in the mouth of madness. Yes. Yeah. Um, watching that, we covered it for a bonus show uh, that we're doing on the network about adaptations of Lovecraft stuff. And th- that description of the world tearing open like paper is almost exactly like uh, when Sutter Kane uh, goes through into the into the abyss. That that effect of mm-hmm. um, just kind of like the, the, the photo tearing effect on him um, and a whole bunch of In the Mouth of Madness gave me incredible Dark Tower vibes. Like I, it had been a while since I had seen it, um, but watching it with Dark Tower in my mind, I was like, "Oh yeah, you have a, you have a writer who is, <laughs> who is basically being ridden by a demon to write, to 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 to, to prime the earth for this invasion by making his fiction real." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. 
Um, I would recommend people who have, people who, have, who 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 have not seen it to go see it. You think Stephen King was watching one of the edited versions on like TBS before he wrote these and was like, you know, that's a really good idea. Maybe on TBS in between Shawshank reruns. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I So I, I think that, and I've, I've read this somewhere who knows if, if it was somewhere reputable. I think that um, John Carpenter and um, Stephen King are mutual fans. Um, Aww. which is, which is probably, which is probably why, um, there might be a little, little bit of sharing of ideas in between. Oh, I wonder if they play in that, that band together. Was it called the remainders or something? Like, I wonder if they, they get I, up there and jam, isn't it a bunch of authors? Like it's a, it's Dean a, Koontz is up there. Like, yeah, we got Dean Koontz on bass or we, whatever. We got, we got Dave Barry on lead vocals. Um, yeah. I, I kind of want to see got, that. We got Clive Barker playing the triangle. <laughs> And on Puzzle Box as an Airsad's drum kit, we've got Clive Barker. Someone's a scene bite at the end of the show. Um, so, so anyway, they're back in the hotel room. The phone is finally rang. Um, and it's Richard Sayer, uh, kind of the lead low man, uh, the one who tricked Callahan by uh, pretending that they were going to give a bunch of money to uh, um, to the to, to the homeless shelter that Callahan, uh, you know, was was kind of allied with allied with, you know, that he helped run. <laughs> um, and he gives Maria or gives, gives Mia directions, um, to the Dixie pig. Um, we'll remember what parked her rig at the Dixie pig and something, something, something that's going to be treated as a revelation later. Um, which I don't, I don't know. Mm -hmm. It rhymes. It fits the meter. Uh, but the Dixie pig is, uh, the, the, the restaurant where the vampires eat. It is a, it is a barbecue place that serves long pig. And, and Richard Sayer does a great job of continuing to trick Mia, who, again, we've established is not that smart. But um, she's like, they, they, they said, I can't keep the baby. And he's like, well, you, you, I mean, you could have the baby for as long as seven years. Mm -hmm. But he never says you will. But he's like, I mean, it, it, you could you have the baby could. for five years or seven years. Yeah, maybe five or seven or two or um, in no way yeah. will you be devoured <laughs> immediately to start his growth spurt. <laughs> Yeah, it's possible you could have the baby for 10,000 years. Who's to say? Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, a, it's a, You're in America. It's a free country. Anything goes. Yeah. 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 I mean, I don't know. Like a desperate person, and it doesn't matter if they're not that, if they're not that smart to begin with or they're, they're incredibly smart. How, you know, they're desperate, and somebody like Sayer is telling them exactly what they want to hear. Um, and it's, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like Detta almost, you know, steps in and it is, uh, it seems to me in my read of this, that it is half out of just utter revulsion at Sayer and, you know, what they have done to kind of engineer all these terrible things that have happened. But also, I mean, like she's stepping in and stepping in on Mia's behalf to like really irritate Sayer, right? Like, Coming, mm -hmm. coming forward and say, like pointing out the obvious lies that Sayer is, uh, is saying. Sayer hates it. Mia is trying to lock um, both Susanna and Detta, you know, behind these successively stronger iron doors in her mind. But, you know, they always get through. Um, and finally, the death blow is kind of dealt. Uh, because uh, Sayer says, hey, I've got some good news and bad news. Uh, the, 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 the good news is that Roland's going to be out of our hair. Uh, the bad news is your your husband Eddie is going to be with him because guess who we've been listening to you uh, and we have set up an ambush in Stone of Maine where uh, you, you people have been popping in and out 
Uh, and so they're going to, they're about to be cut down probably right now. Remember the aforementioned, the guns and then the killing and the shooting. Oh, really makes you understand why Susanna would slap herself in the face, huh? Like just to get at Mia, like, oh, you, you want to be, have primacy? You you, you want to put yourself forward? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Guess what? Yeah. <laughs> you, you you sabotage my husband wow <laughs> yeah no and like th this is where it kind of came to mind what was happening because it's a little bit vague like it talks about like oh you know there there were two women laying on the on the opposite beds or whatever but like all of that's the fiction the reality is all of this talking that is happening is just Susanna you know with Mia's borrowed legs talking to herself in different voices while on the phone and then the fight is just her hitting herself. I I think it says a lot that Susanna is more angry about her cotet being messed with than she is about having her entire body stolen. Yes. Like, like she's not like, I, I hate you and I don't want this baby. And, we, I, you know, like she's not doing any kind of eviction or I mean, she's she's like, OK, yeah, Mia's here whatever. But. Oh, don't you dare mess with Roland and Eddie. Yeah, like, no. Fuck you. <laughs> like, you know, what, what, it's not what gives you the right to do this to me. It's like what gives you the right to do this to us. And, you know, um, she can't yeah. really do anything about it. <laughs> She's got, you know, mm -hmm. it, 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 it's happening. And as far as she knows, it's, uh, you know, who knows if Sayer's telling the truth. We know he is, but yeah. Um, <sighs> it's a terrible thing. They have got the fight and then... Um, Mia just up and walks them out of the hotel room toward the Dixie pig quote, where terrible surgeons awaited to deliver, uh, her equally terrible chap. Yeah. You're not going to park your rig at the Dixie pig. <laughs> not, not if you want to keep your cream on one side and your crap on the other. <laughs> yeah. They will, remo they will remove it. Um, surgically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, any final thoughts about oh. this, uh, about, about this section of the book, Autumn? You know, I, I really am enjoying this more than I, I probably have in, in, in previous years. Like, you, you can really start to see all the threads coming together. Mm -hmm. um, it's and, and it is action-packed. You know, it's so funny. Like, we stayed in Wolves of the Cala. I mean, it probably took place over the span of a week. And, um, you know, like, it was very stationary. And now we are all over the place, moving and shaking, jumping in time. Like, it, mm -hmm. it is fun that things are happening and everything's kind of it's like a wave about to break, you know, like it, we're, we're cresting things are, things are kicked into high gear. Yeah. It, it's, it's funny because the, I, I agree with that description, but it kind of runs counter to the, to the way, at, at least I, in the beginning, I'm not going to put words in your mouth. At least I set this up as, you know, more of a place setting book, like in the description in, you know, in, in kind of explaining what happens and, and bouncing, bouncing ideas off of each other. This does, this does come to life in the, in the analysis, I think more so than it, than it, has tended to when I've just kind of like read it straight. Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I like it better now that we've talked about it than I did when I read it for the podcast. That's so weird. <laughs> Sometimes that happens. <laughs> oh. now, I, now I have this deep affection for it. I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I don't know. Song of Susanna. Do I need to call the scientists? Is this your favorite now? <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, you you know, you know, I'm a ride or die. The wastelands. Um, yeah, yeah, so. yeah. 
just it, it's it's funny in the past like you know when when the question has come out usually the prevailing notion in in a given in a given season is like I, I generally like the wastelands a lot, but like this one is, it's, it, it, it's asserting itself. Like it's probably giving it a run for its money. That's probably not going to happen here. Um, but, yeah. uh, you know, it, it is coming to life a little bit more. It's, it's always darkest before the dawn. <laughs> Autumn, uh, where can people find you online? Um, you can find me on Twitter at at Mrs. Greer. That's M-I-S-S-U-S Greer. You mm -hmm. can also find me, especially now that we're up and popping again, um, in the Radio Free Midworld uh, chat on Slack. Yeah. Uh, in, the, uh, in, the, in the duck feed Slack. Um, it's wonderful having you back. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Um, you know the usual. <laughs> thank, thank you for having me. Yeah. Um, you know the usual stuff you can do. I'm so sorry about the about the break. It's I have no excuse other than the move uh, ended up. So I, I recently moved. I, I, I left Cincinnati and moved closer to home and bought a house and got set up. Um, and it, it's it's funny when you stop something. It's you know even for a little bit, it's really hard to get it started back up. Um, and people who have, you know, written and asked, Hey, where, where's this at? I don't necessarily have a super satisfying answer for you as to, as to why it stopped, but, um, we're back. So look forward to having you here for the remainder, uh, because we're pretty close to the end, honestly, uh, at least as far as the books go. Uh, but yeah, ratings and reviews in iTunes, um, or Apple podcasts and patreon.com slash duck If you want to get into that slack, talk about these books uh with a with a great community of people but otherwise we'll be back uh next time with more song of susanna and until then long days and pleasant nights